0: This is amazing. This is amazing. Or, this is amazing. amazing. This is amazing. Is. Or, this is amazing. Amazing. Amazing God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Our amazing God. I'm excited about it. So, turn in your... Bibles to Acts chapter ten. We covered the first half of Acts chapter ten last week, and this week we're going to be in the second half. And if you don't have a Bible, that's all right because um, we're going to throw it up there on the sky screen as we're going through this passage. I want to just tell you that as I was studying in preparation for this message, that I'm looking at the book of Acts and and. I call it Dr. Luke's Book of Testimonies. Dr. Luke's Book of Testimonies. And it strikes me that as I'm reading through the book of Acts that we see um, all of these movements of God that are taking place. And, but what we see usually before those things are happening, we're seeing people move even in this passage that we talk about today. We're seeing Cornelius the Centurion pray. I'm sorry, pray. People praying. Um, and we're seeing Cornelius pray, and Peter's praying, and then God is doing a mighty work when he hears those prayers. And I think sometimes that we miss that. And I want to tell you this morning, church, just right out of the chute, that I think that God is calling us back to that place where we really, we want testimonies in our life, don't we? We want to see God move. Amen, we do. So let's pray, let's invite him to participate in those miracles and those mighty movements. And if we pray, then what happens? He participates and he gets all the glory. And right there, boom, I could be done with this sermon right now. We're done. Let's go home. We're going to pray. And God's going to move. It's that simple. Isn't that cool? It's cool. It's cool. Sometimes we gum it up we got to read books. You know, we want to cast down and bind and do all this stuff. Oh, no. We got the Word. This is the truth. Hallelujah. God gave us His Word. And as we're going to find out a little bit later today, God gave us something else too. Amen. It's awesome. So, I want to go through very quickly. We've got... Um, a number of scriptures. I'm going to start with Genesis 22. um, And we're going to read several scriptures very quickly. You don't have to turn there. I'll read them for you. They may not be up on on the screen, but I'll read them to you because these are the scriptures that God, these are the promises that we're going to see God fulfill as we get into this message. Genesis 22 and verse 18. In your seed, all the nations, everybody say all the nations, of the earth shall be blessed because you have uh, obeyed my voice. Isaiah 40 says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Say, all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Joel 2.28, we know this one. And it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, everybody say all flesh. Jesus speaking in John 12 said, "And if I, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men." Everybody say all men. I will draw all men unto me. And then John, Jesus uh, speaking in John 16 again, says, "However, when he, the Spirit of Truth, has come." He will guide you into all truth. Everybody say, all truth. All All truth. truth. Awesome. That was great. So these are the promises that were made even in the Old Testament by prophets and, and even by God speaking himself, and then by Jesus as he walked the face of the earth with the apostles. These are the promises that we're going to see fulfilled in this scripture that we're going to touch on today. So I want to just kind of set the stage for where we're at set the stage for where we're at. You know, we covered this last week, but it's it's good to put it into context. So we're seven to 10 years, something like that, removed from the events of the cross, the resurrection of Jesus, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, Sometime, somewhere between seven and 10 years. The, the gospel has spread just as it was prescribed to be spread, um, and... Um, So now we have Peter, and he's staying with a guy named Simon the Tanner in a place called Joppa out on the sea. And there's this centurion that is in a place called Caesarea, which is about 30 miles north from Joppa. And this Cornelius the centurion, he's praying, and, and the Lord sends an angel to him in a vision. And the angel says, hey, send... Go up there, find a guy named Simon Peter, or I mean, go down there, I guess. Find a guy named Simon Peter. You stay at the house called, uh, of a guy named Simon and uh, have him come up to you. Peter, in the interim, is out on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner's house and he's praying to God too. And he gets this vision as he's praying and the the word says something like a sheet filled with animals, something like a sheet filled with animals, descends out of heaven, and it's filled with animals, and, and Peter's going, what's this? And the voice of Jesus actually speaks to him and says, hey, Peter, don't call common what I have made holy. Effectively. And Peter's like, whoa. And the first response by Peter is, no, Lord, How many people know that that's really not a good statement right there? We should never say, no, Lord, no, Lord. Uh -uh. That's not good. No, Lord, don't go together. So the three guys that Cornelius sent out to go get Peter show up at Simon the Tanner's house and bam, 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 knock on the door. So Peter kind of knows what this means, this vision, so he goes with them. And he goes down to Cornelius, the centurion's house. And he's accompanied by these three Gentiles that Cornelius sent out to go get him. And some unknown number, we don't know how many, but some unknown number of believing Jews that were with Peter. So off they go. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. So here's where we're at. Let's pick up in Acts chapter 10, verse 25. As Peter was coming in, that is, he's coming into Cornelius' house, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many, found many. Now there's many people here at Cornelius' house who had come together. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. This is a big deal for a Jew to go to the house of a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? Now, this is interesting to me as I read the account because I'm like, well, why didn't the Holy Spirit tell, tell Peter why he's going there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This is amazing. So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a Tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, that is, Cornelius talking, so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present, here we are, we're all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened up his mouth and said, and so here we go. Peter is getting ready to preach a sermon. This is about the third great sermon that we've seen Peter preach so far in the book of Acts. But this one is markedly different. The first two sermons that we really see are designed to be heard by the Jews in the context of what they know as Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. Okay, But he knows through the Holy Spirit that, that he's going to relate to these people, Cornelius and all of these numbers in his household, in a different fashion. Maybe they don't know the Messianic prophecies. Maybe they don't know the Scriptures. Likely... Not. So, here's what he says. And this is powerful. Catch this. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Whoa. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to you, to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, "...and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him." God was with him. "...and we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly." Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. That is, Jesus was ordained by God. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now, check this out. <clears throat> While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Yes, praise God, is right. And those of the circumcision who believed, that is, the believing Jews that came, down, came up from Joppa with Peter, were astonished. They were amazed. This is amazing. As many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The way that God responded to his Holy Spirit-breathed sermon from Peter was exactly, and this is important, exactly the way that, that the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. And it had to be that way because the believing Jews were there And they had to equate what was taking place with the Gentiles to exactly their experience on the day of Pentecost. They're like, whoa, this is exactly what we've seen before. And these guys are Gentiles. Whoa, God. Then Peter answered. I mean, he can't say anything else. Peter answers and says, well, uh, can anybody forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Whoa. Great passage. It's a great passage. Awesome. Let's pray. Let's pray before I get into the Word. Lord, I just thank you for this, your Word, your truth, Lord God. And I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that even though I prepared, I prepared, That you're bigger than that, Lord God, and that if you have something else to speak, that I'm going to get out of your way, Lord God, you're going to, just like we see Peter speaking, the Holy Spirit will speak, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these, your people, prepare their hearts to receive what you have for them to receive this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I have, you're going to keep track, just three points to make. This morning, that's what God gave me. First one is this. We see in this scripture that God has kept his promise and poured out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. God kept his promise. He poured out his Holy Spirit on all flesh. So when I was given the charge to deliver this particular part of the scripture this morning, I was like, wow, that's That's great, God, because... This is what some people call the Pentecost of the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. And I got to thinking, okay, how am I going to approach this? And I, I recognize that there's a lot of wrong-minded thinking right around this Scripture even. And I want to correct that right out of the chute because some people have mistaken this and said, okay, God transferred the Holy Spirit from the Jews to the Gentiles. Not what happened. God passed the baton to the Gentiles. That's not what happened here. That's wrong-minded in so many ways. But this wrong-mindedness, and we've got to get away from this, has caused so much hurt among the people of God that we need to get away from that. Because what we're doing, if we say it that way, what we're doing is we're limiting what God has for us. And God is unlimited. Who knows that's the truth? God's unlimited. Here's a better way to think about it. Here's a better way to think about it, and I really believe that this is the case. The Holy Spirit fire was in Peter. Okay? And I believe, I do believe this, that as that sheet was being raised and lowered over the rooftop of of Simon the Tanner's house, that that fire was literally being flint, you know, fanned by God. He was preparing that Holy Spirit fire to burst out from Peter into the, into the Gentiles of, of Cornelius' house. And that's how it should be with us as well. We should not think of passing the Word. No, we should be containers of the Holy Spirit, the fire that is within us. And God is going... And those that are standing around us are so amazed by what God is doing in us and and what the Holy Spirit looks like in us that they're going, oh yeah, I want some of that. (coughs) I'm catching on fire too. And it's unlimited. It's unlimited. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome to think about it in those terms. God's unlimited. His Holy Spirit fire is unlimited. There's no limit to what God will do as he moves among all flesh even today. Did you get that? Does that make sense? Good. Because it's really important. Not a baton, not a transfer, not a handoff. And we need to live like that. Praise God. The second point that I'm going to make is that when the Spirit begins to move, the Spirit begins to move, hey, just get out of the way. God's doing what He's going to do. Peter, in this passage, is preaching a mighty Holy Spirit-breathed sermon that hits these Gentiles exactly right between the eyes. Boom! And he's preaching, and he's preaching up a storm. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes down and goes, among the Cornelius and the Gentiles, and i got to say, probably among the believing Jews as well. And it's like, okay, stop. (laughs) You don't have to say anything more. You don't have to say anything more. I, I can't deliver this word to you without um, giving you this testimony because it's so, uh, so much alike of what, what we see happen in the Scripture. You can, can you put that picture up there, please? <clears throat> Some of you have heard this testimony before, and that's okay because, you know what, we can't hear testimonies enough not when God moves. Amen? This is Marietta's dad. To me, I called him Tony. To a lot of people, he was Sergeant Major D'Amico. Sergeant Major D'Amico in the Marine Corps. So a number of years ago, well, let me back up a little bit further than that. So Marietta, Marietta and I, are convicted that we need to tell Tony about Jesus because he needs to know. He needs to know about Jesus. So Marietta, under the influence, I believe, of the Holy Ghost, writes this mighty letter telling Tony about the goodness of God and the benefits of the Holy Spirit and how Jesus came to pay the price for him. And it's a wonderful letter. I, I got the chance to see it. And and she sent it to Tony. And Tony would, <laughs> he, he kept that letter in the envelope, but he kept it in his jacket pocket. And Tony would go and he would go to Fred Meyer, which is kind of like Walmart, and he would sit on the bench inside at Fred Meyer and he would pull that letter out and he would read it and he would read it and he would read it. And we're praying and we're praying and nothing's happening. One day, Tony calls Marietta and says, and he called her, can I say say what he called you? He called her Dolly, so she was Dolly. He says, hey, Dolly, so he talked. Hey, uh, Dolly, you know that uh, letter you sent me? Yeah, Dad. Well, um, I lost it. And she says, that's okay, Dad. That's okay. He said, yeah, somebody else probably needed that propaganda anyway. (laughs) We're not discouraged. We're not discouraged. Somebody else probably did need that propaganda. But it's not propaganda. It was Holy Spirit truth. So, a few years subsequent to that, and we're not sure why, but Tony gets very quickly, gets this really, very, uh, uh, a real tough form of lung cancer in the upper part of his lung, and it's really bad stuff. Really bad. It's inoperable. Really, nothing can be done. Nothing. Like, whoa. So Marietta goes up to, ta- to take care of him, and at the time, we're... we're um, We're doing young adults ministry, and so on one trip that Marietta goes up to take care of Tony, um, all the young adults write these wonderful letters and cards to Tony, you know, saying, hey, Tony, I'm praying for you. Hey, Tony, you're going to be healed. Hey, Tony, Jesus loves you. Hey, Tony, be encouraged. It's awesome. And so she carries these all up, and she takes care of her dad. And after a while, she gets tired, and so she comes home and visits for a few days, back here to Granberry, And we decided that we'll both go, go up because he's in such bad shape that I need to give her some relief. So we fly in. We drive down to Salem, Oregon, where he's living. And um, he's living in this little assisted uh, care facility. And we go to his door. Bam, bam, bam. No answer. Bam, bam, no answer. Marietta finally calls him on her cell phone, from her cell phone. And eventually, the door opens. And standing before me is not this guy, not that guy, but somebody that is just barely alive. He is gaunt. He's little. He's light. He's sick. And I, my heart just breaks. And so we gather him up, you know, and we load him in the car, and we take him right away to the emergency room. And, and, and I'm sitting there next to his gurney in the emergency room, and I'm looking at him. And now keep in mind that we have testified to him time and time again, and we have written him letters, and, and all of this has been done. All of this has been done. And I'm not going to take any credit for this because this is not me. But I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him and boom, boom, the Holy Spirit says, Greg, yeah, God, you read him the story of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. Okay, God, I will. I will. And I look up at Tony and I say, Tony, you're sick. You're sick, and you you might die today. You might go to see Jesus today. There's no doubt. But I want to read you something that God told me to read you. So I read him the story of the centurion in Matthew Matthew chapter eight and Jesus' interaction with the centurion and how Jesus marvelled at the faith of the centurion, you know, and how they could identify with each other because because they were men under authority. And that had authority. And I read this story out of Matthew 8, the passage out of Matthew 8, and I look up and Tony looks up and he goes like this. And I'll never forget these words. Greg, what do I got to do? Like, I'm not to the end of my spiel. I got a lot more to say. Oh yeah. I got I'm I'm going to read this and I'm going to preach the gospel a little bit. I'm going to talk to him about this, I'm going to talk to him about that. We're probably going to go down the Romans road and I'm going to talk to him about John 3:16 and it's going to be good. Oh no. Greg. Greg, what do I got to do? Stop right there. Stop right there. Tony I'll tell you what we've got to do. We're going to pray right now. And we did. And Jesus became his master and savior that day. That meant the Holy Spirit was there. It was amazing. It was amazing. And we saw evidence of, of his salvation experience during the few weeks that we had left with him after that took place. And it was such an encouragement because Marietta prayed. She said, God, show me that this is, this is the real deal. And he did. I guarantee it. It's awesome. Awesome. So when the Holy Spirit is moving, stop. Get out of the way. Work is done. You don't got to do anything else. God's doing it. Amen. Hey, I want to... I'm just going to throw this in as an aside. Um, this is just something that for maybe somebody here needs to hear this. But you know, in the scriptures, the centurions get a pretty good shake. They always do. It's kind of cool. We got Cornelius, you know, he's praying. We got the centurion in, in Matthew 8 that has an encounter with Jesus and he's got faith. And we've got the centurion that is on the squad that was there when Jesus was crucified And at the end, he looks up and he says, truly, this was the Son of God. They get a a pretty good rap for a group. I mean, centurions are, yeah, good. And so when I was researching this for this message, I was like, I wonder why that is. And I came across this passage um, from a Roman historian called Polybius, that lived in that era, and his passage was talking about how did they appoint centurions, which were the commanders of a century, that is, commanders over a 100 men. How did they appoint them? Here's what they did, is they selected men who were willing and who had sworn to take their 100 men, go be parked in a position, and to die right there. Die right there. They were willing to die right there in place. They were going to fight to the last man. If the guy would swear to do that, then he could be made a centurion. There were a lot of other qualifications as well. But it speaks to me that, that these men that had this authority were always able to receive this Jesus so quickly. And I think part of it is because they were dead men walking. We need to give it up. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. We need to give it up. You need to be willing to lay it down your life and walk the way these guys did, recognizing the authority of Jesus Christ. Lay it down. I don't know who that's for, but it's for somebody. Final point. And I don't know how long this is going to take because it's the Holy Spirit at work. God knows... That his creation is seeking. That is, the flesh, his creation, you and me, is seeking. The spirit part of us is seeking something. Isaiah 26 says, With my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit, little s, within me, I will seek you early. In other words, Isaiah is saying, around the clock we're seeking. We're seeking God. And Acts is interesting because there's three cultures that are at work here that are coming in contact with each other, and God addresses every one of them. It's kind of cool. God addresses one in this, in this passage. But the Jews were seeking God. And a lot of the Jews got it. They were seeking God. The Greeks were seeking knowledge, and a little bit later in Acts, the Holy Spirit uses Paul to go to Athens and Mars Hill and to address that, that thing that the Greeks were seeking. They were seeking knowledge. The Romans were seeking glory, and God sent His Holy Spirit, fire, glory, to address that need. But guess what? God was seeking something else completely. God was seeking relationship, and He's seeking relationship even today. God was seeking relationship. He wants a relationship with you. Every one of you. He wants a relationship with me, and he made a way for it to happen. In in verse 38 of this passage today, we see that Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit and he walks in power, and it says that God is with him. Well, Jesus was walking as a man. Yeah, he is God. but He's walking as a man here. And God was with him. Galatians 4 says that because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, you all, you all are sons and daughters. And God has sent, God has fulfilled his need for relationship with you, his sons and daughters, by sending his Holy Spirit, the spirit of it, his son, to be with us so that we can identify with God the Father and actually cry out to him and say, you are my dad. You're my dad. This is how God relates to us. And you know what? The, 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 we have an enemy. We are walking in a fallen world right now. And the enemy does not want you to have that type of a relationship with a good, good, and powerful, and loving, and graceful, and merciful, and all-knowing, and all-seeing, and all-truthful. God, the enemy, that's the last thing that he wants. And some of you are not walking in the power of that relationship with God that God sent the Holy Spirit for you to have. Some of you have experienced that power of that relationship, and right now, you're kind of limping along, you're in a dry place, Because you haven't allowed God to fan the Holy Spirit flames. Some of you have gotten distracted. No doubt about it. And it's easy to get distracted right now. Man, we have got iPhones and we got social media and we got this and we got that. And we forget the word of truth. And we forget to get in there and to commune with our good. Father, and to see what He's speaking to us about. We're distracted with everything else and we're not paying attention that God is saying, I'm here. I want to relate to you. I want to be a part of your life in every way. Why don't you just talk to me? Talk to me. I think that there are people here that have, a rela- that have relationship problems right now. You have relationship problems right now that need to be healed and restored. And the reason that you have a relationship problem right now is because you don't have a right relationship with God the Father through the Holy Spirit. And that needs to be made right, because you know what? Once people see that you are walking in the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit, they're going to say, Whoa. Whoa. I don't know what's going on with that person, but I want what they have. I want what they have. And conversely, when you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to walk in in a level of love and mercy and grace that far exceeds what you could ever do in the flesh or what the devil would allow you to do. Oh, this is some good stuff right now. So we walk with bitterness... And we walk in unforgiveness and this is not how God wanted us to relate to each other either. And some of us are walking, I'm just going to tell you the truth and this has to be the truth. Some of you are walking in a relationship right now that God doesn't want you to be a part of. Because God is good and God can deal with that person that is unhealthy in terms of relationship for you. God can deal with them but right now God is telling you to prune that relationship let me deal with this over here. You walk in relationship with me for now. Oh, that's good. It's good. God's speaking to somebody through that. See, I believe that there are people here, and, and shake. you can, you and Karen can come on up. Um, I believe that there are people here this morning that are going to walk out of here restored and healed, full of the Holy Spirit fire, full of power and love. And it's going to change your life. You're going to be changed this morning. Not because of what I preached. It doesn't have anything to do with that. But it's because the Holy Spirit is speaking. And he's speaking to you. Speaking to you. About 17 years ago, is she ready to do that song? <clears throat> About 17 years ago, um, a guy named Russell Frager wrote a song, and I like the um, I like the Alvin Slaughter version of it. And if you want to be blessed when you go home, pull that pull it up on YouTube and just listen to it. But it's called "Holy Spirit Rain Down." I asked Shake if uh, we could do this this morning during ministry time. But what I want to do before we do ministry is this. If we could, we'll just go through like the the chorus and the verse one time, and then I'll get back up here, and then I'll call the ministry team up. But during this first chorus and verse, as, as we're led, um, I just want you to listen to the words of this song and if we could make it a prayer if you could make it a prayer just listen to what what god is talking about here because i think that this is what what our call is this morning go ahead holy spirit rain.